Porch Podcast. Thank you for listening to us. Front Porch Podcast. Talking about things and stuff. Hey everybody and welcome back to the Front Porch Podcast here once again talking about whatever and today we're talking about one hit wonders. We're dabbling into the music world and talking about some of our favorite one hit wonders and a little bit of the history behind them and what the person that that sang the one hit wonder that or the band that played the one hit wonder what they are up to today. Once again my name is Phil here with Mike and Jared as always. Hey. Yep. It's it's Mike. Yeah, it's Jared. There. Thank you guys for for naming yourselves this time. We we did it. We figured it out. It's still me. Okay. Yeah. Um. Good job. I'm proud of you guys. Thank you. Uh. And today we're we're gonna switch it up. And uh, actually, I don't think we're gonna switch it up. But we're gonna get started once again with Jared. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and what do you got? Uh. Actually, I've got the new Radicals. I'm going to cover their song, You Get What You Give. One of the best songs of the 90s. Absolutely. Yeah, it was super fun. Every time you heard it, it was like, hell yeah, life's okay. You know? Absolutely. And uh, I don't know. I feel like I got introduced to this song mostly from like trailers for movies or like in TV shows. It was always that like quirky yeah i'm gonna give him hell type of song that always made you feel super good about it and uh yeah but anyway uh this band interestingly enough the band was only made up of two members uh one greg alexander and danielle brisebois uh they've recorded this album with like a rotating cast of musicians and it's like managed to churn out one good hit out of that. Uh, I mean, but the album itself is actually really, really good. It is. It is. Really good. It is. I mean, I'm just saying, like in terms of you know what they did, yeah. there was one song that like stuck out ab- oh, yeah. among the rest. It, but it's still, well, it's, it's still a banger today. Well, it's yeah, because you get and what you give. They gave us one, and they got one. You know, they got what they gave. Absolutely. <laughs> and yet, it's actually pretty funny, though. Like, uh, immediately after they put out the album, they did the touring, they did all that bullshit and everything. And then afterwards, uh, this dude, uh, Greg, was just like, you know what? I accomplished what I set out to do. This band's done with. And just pulled you know the cord. They never did anything else again. It has they to have... take a lot to walk away from that. Yeah. Like, just like, yo, we're dropping a banger that everyone's going to listen to in a bar 20 years from now, drunk as shit, and I'm good with that. Right, and he's like, everybody's going to be singing along, just having a good time. Yeah, that was it. He basically was just like, you know what? I'm okay with doing a one-hit wonder. I don't want to do it anymore. I think it, he, This was cool. I think he writes music for people now. He does, yeah. yeah. He, he's, a, he's a producer. Um... After he did that, he basically just dropped out so he could focus on his producing. Uh, one of the most successful songs that he did produce was uh, The Game of Love with Santana and no Michelle shit. Branch. Yeah. I didn't, 
That's a jam. Yeah, it is a jam. Oh, it's, it's, it's a jam. You, you would know if you heard yeah. it. <laughs> it the was, Game of Love. Yeah, it was a good song. It was a really good song. He also did one more song with Rod Stewart. What? Uh, called Human. Yeah, I guess it was uh, It was called I Can't Deny It. He did Ooh. that in 2001. But he's still producing, I'm pretty sure, to this day. But that was like his main jam. That was like the big thing he did after his big thing. For for those of you who may not know the song, we're actually going to go ahead and play a clip from it right now because I'm sure there's people out there that have never heard it. So we're going to do that with all these songs for you guys. So right now we're going to play a clip of New Radicals, You Get What You Give. You got the music in you. And yeah, how can you not feel amazing after listening that to that? That song is such a fucking it's, banger. Every time I, I hear that song, I just you, you instinctually start screaming out the part when he's calling out celebrities at the end of the song. Yes. Yeah. 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 I just think just immediately wonderful. of the music video. They're in the mall. They're right? in a mall. Yeah. yeah. He's got that blue yeah, yeah. turtleneck on or whatever the hell. He's it got is. he's got a yellow coat. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then yeah. he's got the, the bucket hat. Yeah, just super reminiscent of the 90s yes. itself. It embodies what, the feeling One of, of the, the 90s. most 90s things. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and the song, it still slaps. Absolutely. It, oh, yeah, yeah. I, listening to it over and over again for this, I was like, yeah. And Courtney I, Love I and Marilyn Manson, they're still kind of relevant. <laughs> Somewhat. <laughs> kind of. I mean, uh, I Marilyn's heard. still sweet. Uh, I, fuck Courtney Love. That's I, a whole different topic. Yeah, I, I don't. Right. I don't know if the kids know who Courtney Love is. I, I'm Probably sure they, not. She's the one that killed Kurt Cobain. I'm sure. <laughs> that's a allegedly. Allegedly, definitely killed Kurt Cobain. Uh, she sort I, I of slipped into a hole, I guess. Since wow. <laughs> all this. She uh, really got in her celebrity skin there. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Fuck. And fucking killed Kurt Cobain. <laughs> for the record, Courtney Love did not kill Kurt Cobain. Yeah, for his record. She just helped. <laughs> but uh, back to New Radicals. Yes. Uh, we might do like a conspiracy theory episode on that. Because that'd I don't... Be, that'd be fun. My I mind was like. recently changed on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> From what to what? From, I thought, I, I was in the... Believing in the conspiracy theory that Courtney Love killed Kurt Cobain. Right. And then uh, my girlfriend showed me this podcast and they did like a lot of research into it. No and shit. into Court- Courtney Love herself. Yeah. And I kind of think that Kurt did it. Really? You can't yeah. You can't get your information from a podcast, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> you can't trust people that are on podcasts, Phil. Uh, if, if two of them are reporters for news agencies... I'm pretty sure that it's a reliable source. I also learned on that podcast that Coco the Gorilla, yeah. hu- huge fraud. What? Yep. Didn't, How did, so? It was actually a snake. <laughs> no, but the the gorilla really didn't learn how to use sign language. Like it did, but it didn't really put any sentences or anything together. It was just... So it was just saying random words and they were like, no, nah, you're good, Coco. Basically. Oh, for... Come on. Yeah. So... This podcast has enlightened me to a lot of things. Hmm. It's called uh, You're say, Wrong About. It's called You're Wrong out. About. Shout out to You're Wrong About. Shout out. They don't need a shout out because they're huge. But shout well, out to You're uh, Wrong About. Excuse me. Now one day one. we'll be 
at least semi bigger than maybe I don't know. We'll be big one day too. Yeah, we'll the, get there. Maybe. We might have like four listeners. Twenty listeners. Yeah. Yeah. Twenty's a round number, I like it. Yeah, it's a solid number. Four is divisible by twenty. Yeah. That's true. It See? equals six. You mean twenties? Or is it seven by, by four? four. <laughs> math is it's if been twelve. You years. know math? Yeah. Please teach us because we're just bad. So mm-hmm. Uh, any more on you get what you give a classic 90s jam that's pretty much it he just uh i thought that was pretty interesting that he just up and did one album and then was like you know what i did what i set out to do and just cut it cheers to him for knowing his limits is he still doing anything he's producing yeah he's still producing music um as far as i know that's cool but it's probably a lot of stuff we haven't really heard of, or you know. But he's still he's still going. Yeah. He's just not making like he he has done like some other songs I guess that he's put out. But uh, one of them was non credited, but everybody like recognized that it was his voice. But huh. yeah, he's not really like uh, not down for the fame. What was his name again? Uh, Greg Alexander. Shout out to Greg Alexander for dropping a sick jam and then fucking off. Yeah. I think he grew disillusioned with the music industry. I think so, That's too. Fair. I think that was the, really what happened. Yeah. I'm, I'm just upset because there could be so much more there. And I just... I want more New Radicals. If, I if know. That was any great. Any time's the time to do it, it's the end of 2020. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just... We Re- need another song like you get what you give. Or a reunion tour. Just drop the yeah. new and just call yourself Radicals. Ooh. And then, boom. Look at that. It's a rebirth. There it is. Like a phoenix. Yeah. The Radical Phoenix. Okay. On that note, Mike? Oh. Okay. Your, what's Me, your Radical Phoenix? My Radical Phoenix today is a <laughs> little band um, called the Four Non Blondes. Um, they had a hit called What's Up in uh, the 90s. Um, they're from San Francisco, California. And uh, they had one album called Bigger, Better, Faster, More. Uh, it spent 59 weeks on the Billboard 200. Um, it couldn't go 10 more weeks. No, it couldn't uh, go 10. Oh, gig I know, right? That would have been hot. <laughs> 69 weeks on the Billboard charts. Because, you know, we got to do it for the meme but, nowadays. What was it, 59 weeks? That's over a year. Yeah, yeah that's well over a year. it is over a year. Well, you know, they said, what's up? And then they bounced. So I mean, that's all you really had to do is introduce yourself with that. That's all. Yeah, that's all they had to do with that is just be like, what's up? And then, boom. They, they, really, you're gonna they do, it, stuck do it in the around, 90s. They stuck around longer than they had to. This is a song that I feel like a lot of people know it, but then they hear the title and they're like, no, I don't know that song. Exactly. The if most you, famous part of that song is the what's going on. Oh, part. yeah. The what's going on. on. But that's yeah. not the oh, title guys, of the song. That was no. beautiful. No, it's, yeah. So it's, it's what's up. And uh, actually right now, um, this is a 90s jam. Let's play a clip from it just for people who uh, may not have heard it before or just like you said, have heard it and don't remember it oh, because they think it's it. called what's going on. So we're going to play a clip of that right now for you.
song. It's wonderful. It uh, is a good song. It just, I never, I feel like I'm put on the spot so quickly every time she asks me what's going on because <laughs> there's really not much in my life that's going on. I'm sorry, but not a lot. Not a lot. Like, especially this year, but like this, that would have been my answer back in the 90s too. I was three years old. She'd be like, what's going on? I'd be like, I just played with my toys. Because, you know. So over here. You know, eating paint chips. Basically. Being a child. Yeah, the joys of life. The joys yeah. of life. Oh, man. To divide my age by ten and just go back. Did they do anything like, did they just drop this album and then just disappear? So they dropped this album and basically bounced. What's funny is, well, I'm going to introduce you to the band members first. Originally, the band was an all-female lineup. Yep. It was Linda mm-hmm. Perry, uh, who was a singer, and she played guitar. The bassist, uh, Krista Hillhouse. Linda Perry it, writes a lot of music. Though. She does. Actually, yeah. I'm going to note some of that, too. Ooh. There's a shit ton that she Dang. fucking writes. Yep. Um, there was the bassist, Christina Hillhouse, uh, guitarist, Shauna Hill, and drummer, Wanda Day. Um, but before the album released, their only album... Um, Hall and Day, they were replaced by Roger Roca and Don Richardson. Um, what, what's, what's up? What's up? The, the change in, uh... um, from what I read, it came down to actually, uh, the studio, uh, studio and label did not like what, uh, they were doing and they were just like, yo, uh, don't like what you're doing. Get out. You're done. Um, actually that happened too with, uh. Fun fact, you know the Rick Springfield song, uh, Jesse's Girl? Yeah. He originally played guitar on it, and basically it sucked, so... Um, <laughs> what? That's, yeah, that's what sounds... So he recorded Sound City, and they are like, yeah, your guitar playing sucks. And they brought in, uh, I think, a guitar player from... Uh, fuck, I can't remember the band. Um... I want to say it was like, it wasn't like Cheap Trick, but it was like... Did they point at him and be like, Dire Straits. That's no, how you no. play guitar, asshole. Ba- Get so, it together. So basically they had him come in and play the guitar. It was like the... Oh, uh, from the Heartbreakers. The guitar player from the Heartbreakers. Oh, okay, okay. And yeah, he played this song on the guitar and... Because uh, they were like, yeah, Rick, you you suck at guitar, so stop it. And he's like, all right. Wow. I mean, I guess. I'm fucking done. But... Um, so yeah, so yeah... Um, they formed in San Francisco, it, and what sucks is uh, uh, one of the members that got kicked out, the guitar player we were just talking about, Shauna Hall, uh, it actually started with uh, Shauna Hall and the bassist, Krista Hillhouse. Uh, they were roommates and met Wanda Day first. They started playing in a band, and they met Linda Perry, and she ended up joining as a vocalist, and they started getting their uh, name out um, in the San Francisco, uh, San Francisco bar scene, especially in lesbian bars, uh, gaining a significant lesbian following. In July of 91, they were signed to Interscope. Um, after playing at the Gavin Convention Center, I believe. Guess who they opened for? The four non-blondes on Valentine's Day. What year? 93. Or actually a little before that. A couple years before that. 92. Uh, 92, 91. Give me one hit. John the Fisherman. What? Primus? They opened Are you for kidding me? You're kidding Primus. <laughs> Jesus. Yes. What a show. Yes. I know, right? A great Four show. fucking non-blondes and the goddamn, goddamn Les Claypool. Dude. They would actually work together on other stuff over the years after the uh, the band disbanded. But um, so uh, as they began the pre-production for the album Bigger, 
better, faster, more. Um, that's when uh, Day, the drummer, got fired and was replaced by uh, Richardson, Don Richardson. And in 92, um, Dave, don't laugh, David Tickle, the producer, <laughs> felt that uh, Shauna Hall's guitar playing was not happening. So she was like going, as it's I said. It's a Rick Springfield situation. It is. It I told is. you. And she was replaced by Roger Ro- Roger Roca. <laughs> um, that's, that's a new term. We just coined Springfielded. <laughs> Springfielded. Springfielded. Um, she was replaced by guitarist Louis Mitoyer. Mitoyer, I believe. Finished that record. Um, so to talk about the single. Um, their single, What's Up, was the second single released off of Bigger, Better, Faster, and More. What was the first one? No one knows. It was called Dear <laughs> Mr. One no, it was called I get that. It no. was called Dear Mr. President. What? That yeah. was their first single off of that album. Was it really And then What's Up came in and was like, Yo, what's up, fuckers? <laughs> I'm a fucking land here and you're gonna fucking know me for the next thirty fucking years. <laughs> I guess. And that's what was going on, bitches. So, um, What's Up would go on to peak at number one across the world, and it only got as high as number 14 here in the U.S. Where did it peak? Elsewhere? Uh, it peaked all over the world. Europe, the U.K. I mean, the what U.K. Was the highest? It only number hit one. 14. It, it, hit, number it hit number one. one all over the world, basically. So, like, Canada was like, Canada was like, yeah, what's yeah. up? What's going on? And we were like, we're, we're not we're so like, sure we're gonna about put you what's we don't, up. We don't really know what's up. We don't really up know what's up. We got to remember, yeah. though, think of the time, 93. The 90s started really thriving in the alt scene. We were grunging back then. We were then. grunging yeah. and shit back then. We were, I mean, there were so many big artists coming out. So, to compete with that. If you weren't, like, an established you, artist at that time, yeah. like, you had to have, like, a niche hit. That's you really did. That's true. That's true. Because as soon as fucking Smells Like Team Spirit came out, it just, that changed the landscape of the music industry on a dime. Absolutely. It really did. It was an atomic bomb. Yeah. It was an wow. it was an absolute just bomb that went off and just killed hair metal, killed mm-hmm. all the, I mean, it even suppressed the uh, hip hop movement. Grunge hit and it hit fucking hard. Yep. Um, so after this album, they disbanded. Uh, Linda Perry, lead singer, just wasn't happy with it. She left, and uh, she wasn't happy with the the album. She was not happy with the album, so they that's why that's why they Makes have one. Sense. They have one album. Um, that was that. She left. She had a solo career, did her own thing for a while. I couldn't find anything else on the other band members. Um, I heard that they're you know that uh, were not heard, but what I looked up, they had some side projects and stuff like that that they worked on, like most musicians do after they get out of a big band and you know a record deal and whatnot um but linda perry as phil mentioned earlier went on to um just have an amazing she's had a very prolific very prolific behind the scenes behind the scenes career yes absolutely very well put um this i'm i'm gonna read you the singles here that she produced and i guarantee you're gonna know them get the party started by pink that was in 2001 beautiful by christina aguilera in 2002 what Are You Waiting For by Gwen Stefani in 2004, Mono by Courtney Love in 2004, <clears throat> One Word by Kelly Osbourne in 2004, a song called Idiot by Lisa Marie Presley, another song by Kelly Osbourne, both of those last, that last one and this one was 2005, 
Hurt by Christina Aguilera in 2006. Candyman in 2007 with Christina Aguilera. She did My Love with Celine Dion in 2008. But she didn't do My Heart Will Go On? No. No, no, no. That was that was all Celine. Um, yeah, I mean, she's just... she's She did an Ariana Grande song called Put Your Hearts Up in 2011. She's worked with Miley Cyrus. I mean, the list goes on, and she just keeps having a... You know, keeps writing and, and just progressing that behind-the-scenes career, which is fucking awesome. The main thing... Yeah, that's good to hear that she's still doing doing stuff because the main thing i remember about linda perry is in the video for what's up she's got the slash hat on like dreadlocks and the slash hat and it is so in like a a weird jean suit it is so 1993 i love it yes i love that hat it just looks like it's gonna like at any moment, just like turn into a black hole on yeah. her head and expand and suck the whole band in into a parallel universe. Where four gets... non-blondes is the Beatles. The hat gets bigger as the video goes on. It, it feels like it does. I think I I could be wrong, but I think I heard that it was like paying homage to Tom Petty in the uh, um. You don't know how it feels, Eddie. Oh, you, you could also be right. The, you, well, thank you. Does he yeah. have? Yeah. And the You Don't Know How It Feels video is Tom Petty like straight on with like a moving background behind him. But I don't remember if he has what kind of hat he has on in that video. He has a top hat on one of his most like famous music videos. It might be, um, what's the Alice in Wonderland themed one? Because he played the Mad Hatter. Yeah, I forget. I forget. I thought it was that one. Uh, no, that's uh, not Ref. It might be Refugee? It might be. It I don't know. Be. It's the. It's the Tom Petty song with the music video that's Alice in Wonderland themed. Yeah, he steals mm-hmm. Alice and throws her into the Queen of Hearts yes, and then everyone yes. dies. Ooh. So, but yeah, that was, uh, that's four non-blondes for you. Um, Sweet. Linda Perry's still kicking it and the rest of the blondes have gone gray. So <laughs> on to Phil. Um, Phil, what do you have for us, bro? Uh, my song it got famous because of a movie. But it was actually in more movies than you'd know. And that song is Goodbye Horses by one Q. Lazarus. Now, Hell yeah. Q. Lazarus, she was born in New Jersey in 1965, given the birth name of either Diane or Diana Lucky. It is not confirmed because she's gone by Q. Lazarus for so long. Uh, she married young, and she escaped an abusive marriage and then moved into New York City where in New York City she became a nanny for an Englishman that, in my research, I can only find his name as Swan. Huh. Swan. All right. So I don't know if it was like a Mr. Swan or if he was just known as Swan. The Mr. Like he, he was Swan. like a really foul guy he was a for. He was a Batman villain. Mm. Oh, fuck right. yeah. yeah. Swan. Swan. Swan boy. Penguin. Uh, but he basically told her, don't, like, don't focus on music. Like, it's pointless focus on being a nanny like, so he really it's a helped. career for a woman basically like all right that kind of thing mm. uh, and she was like fuck you i'm gonna become a taxi driver and she used the money that she made while driving a taxi to start her band that she made demos with called the resurrection now while she was driving her taxi one of her fares was director jonathan demi he heard her demo playing in the taxi, and he took her to Hollywood, where despite encourage, his encouragement, 
Record companies refused to sign her because they believe she couldn't be marketed. And her response was, I market myself. Wait a minute, wait a minute. So she drives around playing her own demo. demos. That's she's what just, you gotta do, just man. Just being like, yeah. Like, Before this Uber shit. drivers, this she was doing it. She was doing it, yeah. She, wow, that's... Yeah. I got to an Uber the other day, and it literally had a sign, a, like a, a sign on the seat yeah. that said, "If you like the music, download the Spotify link here." Blah blah blah. And there was a SoundCloud. I've rapper. seen that before. Basically yeah. pedaling their shit while driving. Wow. What better okay. way to do it? I mean, you're trapped in a car for a limited amount of time with someone. You force, you thrust your fucking music down their throat into their ear holes, and they can't escape. That's true. Especially yeah, you're forced to listen. I to need it. to start driving Uber because I am going nowhere as a musician, and I'm going to do that to people. Exactly. There you go. And especially in a town like New York City, where you don't know who's going to get in your cab, especially in the '80s. Yeah, it could have been Paul Mitchell, and she he could have gave her great hair. Could have. But so Jonathan Demi, uh, he took her to Hollywood, where despite his encouragement, once again, record, record companies they wouldn't sign her. They didn't think she'd be marketable. Uh, an African-American woman playing rock music in the 80s. Not really something that was very marketable. And her, her response was that I market myself. I'm an African-American woman who wears locks and sings American rock and roll. Fuck yeah. Hell yeah. Wait, when did Tracy Chapman come out? I mean, I know she's more folk. 90s. Uh, was that the 90s? Oh, I yeah. think so. She may have popped up early in, the, 90s. in the late 80s, but early 90s was her height. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, she was more folk. Yeah, and Tracy Chapman actually made a, an appearance recently, covering the Beatles on Late Night, Ooh. her first live performance in five years. I'm gonna have to check that out. Really? Uh, but Jonathan Demi, he liked what he heard so much that he basically uh, wanted his her music in his movies, and it was in uh, a movie in 1988 called Married to the Mob, which was directed by Jonathan Demi. And then the big one that everyone knows the song from, probably the only reason people know the song. Oh, yeah. Was it was in a little movie that came out in the early 90s. I think it was 91. Yeah, there it is. Called The Silence of the Lambs. And I, I, have, to, I have to cut in here because, yes, it is most well known because of Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. But also Mark Johnson, the skateboarder. Has a part that he did where that song is in it, and a lot of skateboarders know this song because of him. Oh, really? And how good he is, yeah. Oh, and he he put it out. He had a part. It was like three different songs in that part because he's so fucking good. But yeah, that was one of the songs in the part. So like when I listen to it, I'm like, yeah, I hear Silence of the Lambs, but I also can picture Mark Johnson ripping it up. See, all I picture is part. I just picture Buffalo Bill with his dick between his legs. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I guess I'm picturing wood in two different ways. <laughs> I guess you are. Uh, but I'm actually kind of uh, stretching the criteria for a one-hit wonder. It didn't really chart well. It was a <laughs> song that was really only known because of it was in such a huge movie. Right. Right. Uh, and it was it, it was a weird song that it even after the movie came out, it didn't really chart. And I think that that had to do with the character that it, and what he was doing while it was playing. Fair enough. 
but everybody knows the song after the movie. And if you don't, uh, here is a little clip of the song right now. Fuck me, I'd fuck me. Yes, I'd fuck me so that, hard. That is, <laughs> that is what everybody knows. Goodbye horses for it was actually not written by Q Lazarus though. What? What? It, so the song that she's known for. Yes, it was written by her guitarist in the band. Uh, his name is William Garvey. Wow, what an uncreative name! And according to him. <laughs> The song is about transcendence over those who see the world as only earthly and finite. The horses represent the five senses discussed in the Bhagavad Gita and the ability to lift one's perception above these physical limitations and see beyond this limited earthly perspective. So this guy was doing a lot of drugs. Yeah. LSD? For a name of William Garvey... He's, he's reading the Bhagavad Gita. Reading that and in a band with a woman named Q Lazarus. My man. That's a pretty plain <laughs> name. He should have called himself like Giuseppe Jebediah Zion V. Yeah. Bojangles. He's, 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 be- Bojangles, he's believing yes. in some, some wild shit here uh, and basically writing a song about how horses represent senses and the ability to lift one's perception above these physically earthly limitations. Like, I have no idea. I guess I have to start thinking about this song differently. Yeah. I don't know how. <laughs> you know, there, there's, there's a start for it. I guess I'm going to have to try. You know, when you really look deep inside your own soul, it just starts to make sense. Goodbye, horses. Goodbye. Goodbye. And on that, Jared. Goodbye. Yes. You're Is up that now. me? Am I up? Am I up again? You sure are. All right. Well, this one, uh, <laughs> this one is a lot of fun. Uh, mostly because of the ties to Buffalo, but mostly because everything about it is fun. Um, this one, I'm I'm going with Eddie, my man Eddie Murphy here. <gasps> Jared. Yes. Are you about to do my favorite <laughs> song? <laughs> I am. Eddie Murphy and yes. Rick James oh, party all, all the time. time. So good. This song, I can't, I can't say enough good There's, about this. Song. I don't know what my favorite thing is about the song. There's so much. There's so it's much. It's perfect. It is the <laughs> best beautiful. song. Fuck Stairway to Heaven. The fact Fuck that... the Beatles. Eddie Murphy. Okay, so and yes, it's glorious. Uh, and and part of it, like the uh, reason that I thought this it's was so good. So amazing. I mean, first of all, it's Eddie Murphy. He's just Who? funny as shit, but he's sitting here singing. He, he wanted a music career so bad. He really he did. did. But uh, uh, here's one thing I'll bet you guys didn't know. He did this as a bet to Richard Pryor. What? A million dollar bet telling him that, yo, motherfucker, I can sing. Well, <laughs> so I mean, did in he the, lose? In the liner... <laughs> in the liner notes it says to richard pryor my idol with whom i have a one million dollar bet no motherfucker i didn't forget <laughs> <laughs> my god i wonder if richard pryor ever paid up i doubt it probably not i highly doubt yeah. it 
He was probably like, yo, motherfucker, you call this singing? Yeah, he was probably like, that was trash. Like, I, I don't even accept it. But so, I love that song. The song, it was recorded in Buffalo. Yep. Yes, it and, was. And, and the music video was recorded in Buffalo. Rick yep. James produced it in his studio. Can I tell you my favorite part about the song? Yes. And it has nothing to do with the song itself. It's the music video. Yep, I know okay. exactly where you're going with this. <laughs> and it's, it's yes. my favorite part is Rick James coked out of his mind. <laughs> Uh, when he's when he's like running when he's when he's doing the board and he, he's fucking jamming out and everybody else is like yeah and then and then everyone else, else is standing there like like what is going on and Rick James is like clapping his hands and trying to get into it giving him the Yo, weird and then, eyes and then like, everyone what? else is like fucking playing their instruments that aren't plugged in yep. there's a fucking guitar player that's just like shredding at some point I feel and it's like there is none of that in this fucking song. Yeah. It's a party, but none of this is happening. Uh, just Rick James. If you haven't seen the video, yeah, just wa- check it out. Watch. Please. It was recorded in Buffalo. Yes. And uh, somewhat the guy, uh, I will not use his name, but I produce his talk show on the radio. And someone, I've met this person, uh, not through him, but out, out and about. Uh, his name is Booker. He actually is in the music video in the oh, background. Oh shit, that's awesome! No yeah. shit, that's a living fucking legend right <laughs> he there. He really man. is. Yeah. yeah, he was partying all the time with wow. Eddie and Rick. Uh, he was uh, he was a drummer amazing. in a band, and I can't remember the band, but it was like a funk band back in the day. Uh, but he was a drummer for. It a wasn't few the years Gap Band, was it? Because no. I know Gap Band has a has a lot of ties in Buffalo. No, really? it wasn't. Yeah, um, you dropped a bomb on me. Didn't know that. Yeah. That's a that's a that's an old. If it comes back to me tonight, I'll I'll remember it. But uh, yeah, he was he was in that video, which is sweet. The music video is perfection, by the way. Oh yeah, beautiful. It's it's a ton of fun to watch. Uh, And if you don't know the song, we'll play the song a little bit of the song right here because you need to know party all the time, and here it is. You need this in your life. There's our boy singing it's it. So perfect, belting it out. <laughs> My girl wants to. Oh yeah, I love it. Party all the time. Just that <laughs> fucking. Uh, I think Rick James did. Rick James write the song. He did. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Um, actually, the whole album was collaborated on with Murphy and whoever he was working with at the time. Yep. This was the only one that was written by Rick James. That was basically, yeah, that he worked with him on it, and he was like, yo, you got to come to Buffalo, you got to come to my studio, I'm going to hook you up, and all that. So that's how that all went down. It's so uh, It was the number one hit off that album. It hit number two on the Billboard charts. Did it really? Yeah. I didn't know it, it went that high. It hit number two. Wow. Yeah, it got that high. Fuck yeah. Which is impressive, and that's the only one, like I said, off that album that actually like blew up like that. That's so crazy. Which is great, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, yeah, that was basically it. And then I guess, like, uh, after that happened, pretty much Eddie realized, like, I I don't do music. So well, he had that he had that single, the next single with uh, Michael Jackson, which that music video will haunt my dreams forever. (laughs) Um, 
<laughs> quick quick synopsis of that music video. It's, it's called What's floating. Up With You. They're they're, in, they're floating in the sky. They're right? in heaven, mm-hmm. and he's with Michael Jackson. Yes. And there's music notes that fly around. Yes. And I then, think so I'm bad. trying to there's block this kids, out of my brain. There's a bunch of kids that dance with them, and Eddie just goes, "What's up?" So like apparently asking people, "What's oh up?" Oh my was god, huge you're in the 90s. right. That was that was after this. But also a uh, fun tidbit: Eddie Murphy does reggae now. Yes. What? He does reggae now. So he does continue that music career. Wow. Yeah. His okay. re- his reggae shit, not bad. I'm into it. <laughs> I'm into it. I guess I got to listen to it. I didn't even know he was doing reggae. So, um, Jared. Yep. Um, what's Eddie Murphy doing now? <laughs> what hasn't he been doing? He's still acting. He's oh, he's still... an actor? I thought he was a musician. <laughs> He's apparently a musician. Why don't we add that on there, too? Like, tack everything on there. I guess, like, the only thing he hasn't done is, like, make me lunch for, wow. you know, work in the well, morning. Well, that's rude. But he's done, like, everything. Well, he's too busy partying he's, all the time, He's Jared. partying all the time. Yeah. I mean, when you're hanging out with Rick James, you got to be having a goddamn good time. Oh, my God, yeah. That's- <laughs> Absolutely. Just just to be a fly on the wall to hang out with them back in the days. And, I mean, we all know the Chappelle show. Exactly. Oh, absolutely. With Charlie Murphy. With Charlie Murphy. Charlie and, Murphy. That. and that's that shit was hilarious. <laughs> that's but, one of the funniest uh, sketches of anything I've ever seen in my life. That is, yeah. the, that is the pinnacle of comedy right there. It really is. It's one of the funniest things absolutely. ever committed to anything. And Rick James is uh, buried at Forest Lawn, I believe. He is, he is. buried at Forest Lawn. Um, yeah, so he passed away actually in 2004. He was trying to get his music career going again because he saw a resurgence after the Chappelle show that he did. and uh, But it was short-lived. Um, yeah. Not to put it that way, but... Well, he died of heart failure not long afterwards. Well, as he said, cocaine's a hell of a drug. Yes. <laughs> he did have his uh, his issues, even though he was a fun guy. Um, at the time of his death, James was working on an autobiography, The Confessions of Rick James, Memoirs of a Super Freak. And uh, he was also working on a new album, which never saw the light of day, but... The book was finally published in 2007, and uh, on the cover, it has a picture of his tombstone from Forest Lawn. Oh, wow, really? Yeah. That's crazy. I gotta read that. I mean, that's an awesome title, just The Confessions of a Super Freak. Right, yeah, I want to check that out now. Yeah, absolutely. It'd be great. I've heard stories of Rick back in the day, too, with people like I've met at work and whatnot over the years, who just, they knew him growing up, and... Uh, just said that he he's always been wild. He was just wild. The parties that they went to with him and stuff like that. You just could not, you could not contain his personality. He came to from what I, from the stories I've heard. He would walk into a room, and he, if he didn't know you, if you had no idea who he was even before he was famous, he would fucking let you know. Yeah. <laughs> he would fucking by the end of that night, you would know Rick James. Yeah. Yeah, he had that kind of personality. So He'd just draw you in. But yeah, that's that's about it. That's uh, that's party all the time. Party all the time. So much fun. 
That's yeah, such it, a good song. I can't even stress enough like how much fun that song is to listen to. I'll never forget music for- videos to watch. I'll never forget the day I found it in, in a bargain shop somewhere on vinyl for four dollars. It was the single. I have That's a twelve amazing. inch single of Party All the Time. Best four dollars I've ever spent in my life. <laughs> I would do again. I always tell people like this is this is my holy grail of all records, and I put it on, and they're like, "What the fuck is this?" And then, oh, it's just it's great. It's beautiful. But um, but so, yeah, so that yeah. was party all the time. We back up to you, Mike. We I think are you got the next one here. So I'm going to cover today a little band. Um, out of San Antonio, Texas. Um, the members are... Gabe, Little River Band. Not Little River Band. <laughs> not Little River Band. Um, the members are Gibby Haynes, Paul Leary, King Coffee, and Jeff Pincus. We're going to cover Butthole Surfers. The song is Pepper. I don't mind the sun sometimes The images it shows I can If that was your first time hearing any part of that song, go listen to the rest of it right now. It's fucking awesome. It is. That is a great song. It is so fucking good. Um, so yeah, so unique name for a band, unique sound for a band. Um, and their sound is very fitting to the name Butthole Surfers. Um, so as I said, they're from San Antonio, Texas. Um, they formed in 1981. <clears throat> Um, they've had so many lineup changes over the years, um, um, and they had a second drummer at some point in 1983 called uh, Teresa Nervosa. Um, they've had so many bass players, but the no- most notable and the accepted lineup at this point for Butthole Surfers uh, includes Jeff Pincus on bass. Um, they are a experimental rock alternative punk rock psychedelic band yeah there's really they, they're, noise band. they're all over the place yeah and they've been cranking out shit since the eight the early 80s so i'm honestly not really a fan of their work outside of pepper it's a lot of just no noise who was in my it room is. last night it's a great song i mean, it's a great song what it, song who, who was in my room last night mm. that's a great fucking a good song one. that's a great fucking song um, so when they emerged from the hardcore punk scene in the eighties, uh, the butthole surfers were quickly known for their chaotic live shows, black comedy, and a sound that incorporated elements of psychedelic, psychedelic, psychedelic rock and noise rock. Um, they, they manipulated, um, their sound in such a way with, through tape editing and just unique ways that they would fuck with their vocals and whatnot. Um, Gibby Haynes, their singer, had a guitar rig that he would run his voice through and use reverse pedals and reverb and delays and all these effects on his voice to create such a unique sound. It, it's really uh, it's really worth listening to and, and just the way they just came up with their shit. It was crazy. Um, they were fucking out there, and I love it. Um, it's very so, experimental. Super and, experimental yeah. all over the fucking place. Um, so they, they, were, they were very respected in the hardcore and punk community um, throughout the 80s and early 90s. 
but they had very little commercial success until 1996 right. where they released electric larry land um I've never even heard of that. And that's the one that they're known for? Electric Larry Land is the <laughs> album that Pepper really? has had Pepper on it, yeah. Yes. Um, so Electric Larry Land is actually a play on uh, Hendrix's uh, Electric Lady Land. But and that's the first thing they're known for? Pepper. Like, they, they were banned I mean, for... like, commercially is what commercially. I'm saying. Commercially. First song. that's, like, almost 15 years of, yeah. like, I mean, making music. And... kind of hard to market yourself when you're named the butthole surfer. Very hard to market. That's very true. especially in the nineties and eighties. Yeah, oh, nobody's especially like radio. They're not going to play that. Um, no. like, if it was nowadays, oh, it would be no problem. Yeah, nowadays it'd be fine. But yeah, there's, right. there's someone named right. Bebop Doobie on the radio. Like you could name yourself whatever. <laughs> hell yeah, <laughs> whatever the hell you want these days. So Electric Larry Land contained the hit single Pepper, and when that hit ninety six, it climbed to number one. Mm-hmm. On the Billboard's Modern Rock chart oh. that year, um, they're they're known for so they're known underground for their other hits before Pepper, like as I said earlier, who who was in my room last night, right? The Lord is a monkey, uh, which is also so when Pepper hit, um, that hit mainstream. Lord is a monkey actually hit the underground hard because of Beavis and Butthead. Really. When Beavis, you know those like when they used to watch music videos and shit yeah, on Beavis and Butthead, yeah, yeah. that was a thing. Um, the Lord is a Monkey uh, was one of those videos, and they were really into it. And the Underground really picked up on that one. So that's a really good fucking song off that album too. I don't know why that wasn't a second single. They followed that one. They followed up Pepper with uh, "Jingle of a Dog's Collar," which was a very lackluster second second uh, single there. Mm, um, bad call. Yeah, it was. It was. It's a good song. Yeah. And uh, right. their other hit is uh, "Dracula from Houston." Um, great, great song. I like it. Great song. Hey, they, hey man, they're <laughs> fucking out there. Um, they really are. So the reason, um, Hoobastank. Yes, Hoobastank. The reason you hear that little key and then you start Speaking thinking of, of one that. hit wonders. Yeah, that is a one hit wonder. Well, no, they have "Crawling in the Dark." Who? "Crawling in the Dark." You would know it if you heard it. No, I mean, man. a band I'm going to talk about later isn't a one-hit wonder anyways, but I just want to fucking trash them. They're so. basically a one-hit wonder. Nobody's going to know any other fucking songs. They are. Like, yeah, who the fuck else do they know? Yeah, but they don't know anything else from them. Being a noise rock, psychedelic, noise, punk, hardcore, whatever fucking band from San Antonio, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. being so underground, opportunity struck for them in the 90s, <clears throat> in 96. <clears throat> Because of a little band from Seattle kicking open a door called Nirvana. Oh, man. I was going to say Audio Slave. Yeah, that would have been been (laughs) real close. close. So close. (laughs) So close. So fucking close. Um, So Butthole Surfers was one of Kurt Cobain's favorite bands. And when Nirvana hit it big, it helped launch uh, Butthole Surfers' career into the mainstream. Um, Butthole Surfers are the epitome of your favorite band's favorite band. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like they're a band that I don't like, but I'm, they're a band that I'm pretty sure a lot of bands I listen to like. They've been influenced by yeah. them, and you can hear the influence. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, with um, it hitting number one on the modern rock charts back in the 90s, it hit 29 on the Hot 100 Airplay for the Billboard charts. Um, 
And in Australia, the song peaked at number 15 on the uh, Aria single sh- charts. Um, it, it, it hit pretty up there in the top 20, 30 around the world. Um, but nowadays, you really don't hear anything from the holes of butts that they surf. Um, are they still going? They are on a hiatus, technically. Okay. Since um, when? For the past 15 years. No. Oh. Jeez. Yeah, they've been so on indefinite. So, so since, indefinite yeah, hiatus. Since 2005. They keep alluding to a, uh, a, a another album, but still, there, there's nothing with that. Um, Is that going to be like what was that Tools' last album or whatever? That that, was like, it like ten years? Ten years for them. Ten years for them to have four it. songs on it. Yeah, yeah, seriously, I'm sure a lot of Tool fans that are, are like disappointed by that. I don't like Tool. Long each. Oh man, I like Tool. I like their. I like. I like, I like Tool, but I'm not going to buy an album that has four 18 minute songs. No, I'm not doing that. That's so a joke. Nowadays, I'm sure it is something like that. Nowadays, it's um, like seven. Yeah, they had. So they had a, one more song really before they went on hiatus. It was called "The Shame of Life." That was written by. The ba with the ba, the bang to bang, diggy diggy. Are you shitting me? Kid Rock himself. He wrote the song for them. He wrote a song for them, and and they accepted it. It's because he sampled one of their songs. Yeah, for... and that's how Kid Rock repaid them. Great. So Kid Rock was like, "I'm gonna use one of your songs, and I'm gonna write you a song." America himself. Now, Mr. America, Mr. Detroit himself. Um, so as I said, they've been on hiatus for the last 15 years, touring intermittently in that time. Um, again, mentions of new albums in the works as recent as 2017. But the most recent thing that this band has done is release a visual history of the band uh, uh, as a coffee table book called Butthole Surfers. What does regret mean? <laughs> That's awesome. I like that a lot. I'm going to have to pick that up, too. I'm going to have to start reading. Yeah, you're going to have to like, <laughs> yeah. actually read. That was released in 2019. So that's the last thing they did. So, Butthole Surfers, if you're 2019, out there. I'm going to pick that up. Butthole Surfers, if you're still out there, please give us another album. And uh, I love you. Thank you. Phil. Uh, yes. What is your next fizzle? Well, I actually forgot music. something about Q Lazarus. So I'm going to tell oh, everyone. Oh, oh, my sweet. God. We're back to Q. Uh, so I, I, I forgot to say what she's doing now. Yeah, what is she doing? Oh, yeah, what is she doing? What's now? going on? Uh, so she hasn't claimed royalties for years. Really? Uh, and so fans s- speculated that she was dead. Right. Uh, she's got tons of unclaimed royalties. The article I found said a substantial amount. Hmm. Um, substantial, huh? Yes, and as of 2018, it is not confirmed, but she is claimed to be a bus driver on Staten Island. Really? What? So she just completely For like left the music industry. The metro bus, yeah, like just driving buses, just driving driving around Staten Island. That'd be sad. She just went right like, back to you, it. Why don't you just get picked up by Q Lazarus? She's like, with, and, and she's not picking up her royalties where she probably yeah she's not picking she up doesn't her need royalties. To work in, she she doesn't with, need to do this. No, with the amount of money that she probably made with having her song in that movie, yeah, she probably oh, doesn't need yeah. to work a day a lot. Right? She went from driving taxis. To big song to driving buses. Yep. The circle of musicians. That's so sad. Yep. But uh, on to my next song. It's one of my favorite songs from the 1960s. Uh, And it is an actual one-hit wonder. I mean, kind of. He did have other hits, but none of them got 
as famous as this hit did. Uh, it is Norman Greenbaum, and it is Spirit in the Sky. That song came out in 1969. Ooh, nice. I was waiting for that. <laughs> and Norman Greenbaum himself, he was born in Malden, Massachusetts in 1942. And he uh, grew up listening to uh, Southern blues music and folk music that was popular uh, in the late 50s and early 1960s. And he grew up in a very Jewish household, which is interesting because huh. we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, because of the lyrics of Spirit in the Sky. It's take, very... I it's, thought it was like Christian-esque, but this is Jewish? Yes. Yeah. He, really? Yes, he is Jewish. And the song is... It's labeled as a Christian song, which I don't really think it's a Christian song. <clears throat> but a lot of people do label it that way. Uh, it was... He wrote it and originally recorded it. Uh, and the song became a gold record, and it sold two million copies. Wow. Uh, it reached number three on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 chart, and it lasted for 15 weeks in the top 100. Billboard ranked it the number 22 song of 1970. It came out at, like in one of the final weeks of 1969, so technically, okay, yeah, it, it was a 1970. I wonder song. what beat it because like the late 60s, especially 69. There's so much good music yeah. coming out. Uh, it was number one uh, in the U.K., Australian, and Canadian charts. And Rolling Stone ranks Spirit in the Sky the number 333rd uh, all-time on its list of the 500 greatest songs of all time. Wow. Ooh. That's not, that's not a high ranking. Yeah, that's not a yeah. bad position at all. Uh, so now, now onto the religious iconography in the song. Word. Uh, Spirit in the Sky, it makes several religious references to Jesus, although Greenbaum is Jewish. Uh, I found a 2006 article where he was talking about he was inspired to write the song after watching Porter Wagoner uh, singing a gospel song on TV. And he said, I thought I could do that, knowing nothing about gospel music. So he sat down and he wrote his own gospel song. It came easy, and he wrote the words in 15 minutes. Wow. <laughs> so imagine just being like, okay. I want to write a gospel song. He wrote a fucking hit in 15 goddamn 15 minutes. minutes. Wow, about a guy, a guy that he doesn't even fucking believe yeah, a guy in. The that son he of doesn't God. know. A wow. guy that he thinks was just a dude. Yep. Uh, in that same article, uh, he talked about how he used a Fender Telecaster guitar with a fuzz box built into the body to generate the song's characteristic <gasps> guitar sound. Oh, that sounds so hot. Oh, it's such a good fucking if there's tone. one th- if if you know the song if there's one thing you remember it's the guitar in the of song. Course, Absolutely. Yeah. Because it was so uh it was something that no one was really doing in the 1970s. And when something like that hits back then if something's fresh and new, it's not something that really comes about much today because everything is just so we're so sad. Recycled. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. We're so saturated by everything coming out. Uh, and uh, very recently about the song, he says it sounds as fresh today as it did when it was recorded. He's gotten letters from funeral directors telling me that it's their second most requested song to play at memorial services next to any guesses. Hmm. I don't think you're going to get this. Come sail away. No. Um, break Let's stuff. Let's get it started. No. Uh, Mambo number five. <laughs> break stuff. No, it, I'm just going to keep guessing. It's fucking um, Danny Boy. 
Danny boy. What? Oh, Danny boy. boy the, the pipes, pipes the, the pipes are calling. Why? I don't want to hear that when somebody's lying there. Old people. I don't know. Yeah, they I like guess. that song. I don't. Uh, so Norman Greenbaum, he, he's been recording music for a long, long time. Uh, nothing really, though, has ever come close to Spirit in the Sky. Uh, still touring, still doing his thing, 77 years old. Damn. Uh, wow. And, uh, but yeah, no, no, no hit has come as close to <clears throat> Spirit in the Sky. I haven't really listened to much of his songs, but I, I do love Spirit in the Sky. It's one of my favorite it's songs. It's such a goddamn good song. Maybe he should say more often, I want to write this genre of, of music. music. Yeah, right. What? And then just do it. I want to because... see a Norman Greenbaum song coming out in 2021 where he's 78 years old. And he's like, you know what? I want to do metal or I want yeah. to do, I want to do punk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would, I'd be all for that. I'm here for it. He's exactly. got a friend in Jesus, and I'm pretty sure Jesus can give him more songs. <laughs> oh, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. He can bestow that upon and, him. I mean, for as someone who is an atheist to like the song, it's got to have something in it. It absolutely right. does. Yeah. So. It's tapping into something there. Exactly. So, yeah, that's Spirit in the Sky. Good shit. Uh, so right now, let us go uh, to as something that we always do. We got we got a little uh, advertisement here, and let's see what we got this week. Hi, it's me, Al Pacino. You may know me from my films, like Godfather, or Scarface, or even Adam Sandler's classic film, Jack and Jill. Hooray. And I'm here to officially announce my candidacy for president of these United States of America. What? That's not why we're here. That's why we're here. No, we're here for Dunkin' Donuts. What do you mean we're here for Dunkin' Donuts? Uh, this is this is a Dunkin' Donuts ad. America runs on Dunkin'. You're not. No, you're no. Not I'm here to announce that I'm the president. You're not the president. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be. I'm that, running. That already happened. What do you mean it happened? It's over? Yeah, it was kind of the biggest story. Of How was that over? Why wouldn't you tell me that earlier? That's why we're here to begin with. I'm so we sorry. Be- no, you motherfucker. This is for you. Pull on this shit all that fucking time. I'm sorry, Mr. No. no, I'm, so I'm sorry. the president of this United States. No, you're not. I'm gonna be. No, no you won't no. be. You're as fucking as Please help me. I'm the president that goes over. This message. All right, and we are back, and we're moving on. Unfortunately, we're back. Unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Those are the best parts. That's what everyone tunes in for is just those. But, <laughs> just the <a> commercial. <laughs> uh, Jared, what do you got next? Yep, I'm back. Uh, basically, this one is a, a fun one for me because I've always loved this band. Um they're from Scotland, or they're yeah, they're Scottish, and uh, yeah, Scotland. Their name is Average White Band. Average White Band is from fucking Scotland. Oh, of course they're from Scotland. What? Why wouldn't they be? My entire they're an average white fucking band. life has just—it's a lie. <laughs> I know. They're, that's. That's Beautiful, crazy. right? Funk and R and B band called Holy Fuck <laughs> Average White Band from Scotland. 
Oh my god. But yeah, so they've been a band since 1974. Wait, wait, ever what what what's the song name? Uh it's called Pick Up the Pieces. I don't think I know this one. You let's, know let's, this one. Let's play it real if, quick so yeah. folk can hear it. All right. So this is Average White Band, who's apparently from Scotland. Fuck me, I didn't know that. With Pick Up the Pieces. Love that song. So I take that back. So good. I do know that exactly. song. Exactly. Of course <laughs> you know that so song. Good. We used to when I was in jazz band, we covered that when I was playing the bass. Oh, oh my god, such a fucking That great had song to be to so much fun. To oh play. my god, yeah. My yeah. brother plays it so much better than me because he's amazing and he'll he'll hear this and never let me live it down. So mm-hmm. fuck you, mm-hmm. brother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he's a really asshole. good bass he's player. Good at though, stuff. So, I mean good fair on enough. Him. Good but, on him. Average White Band. So, yeah, Average White Band. So, that was their basically their biggest hit. But uh, to be honest, I really liked the song Cut the Cake. Cut the Cake such it's a good song. beautiful song. It's so good. It's so good. I, now, now you lost me. It just sounds similar. Okay. And then it just basically says, Cut the Cake. <laughs> cut the Cake. You know, instead of like, Pick up the pieces. So, cut the Cake. You know, they're they're pretty much just like an instrumental band and they yell stuff every now and then. All right. there, but it's so good. It's a lot of fun. Like, they just enjoy themselves. And, and they're really like musicians musicians like you go and you're like all right like i appreciate the things you're doing for what it is like you know it's it's a good time but uh unfortunately there isn't much else on this basically they uh they're still playing to this day which is insane to me they started in 1974 they're still a band they're still touring they're still playing Um, that's awesome I took a look on the Wikipedia to try to see like who's come and gone from the band during that time, and uh, there's legitimately an entire graph, like a chart, showing you who played and what years and who came and went and left the band. And oh, sweet! Explain it to us, Jared. I'm not gonna explain it to you. It's like a giant graph <laughs> you can go look at it I on wikipedia if your interest is really peaked but there's nothing better than having your band graphed out on wikipedia just to show you how many members you've lost over the years yeah lost gained like regained kicked out like gained back who knows it's it's been a whole lot of and i mean when you have like holy shit that's almost 50 years of musicians like yeah. that's like 46 years that's crazy of musicians coming and going and like still still keeping it rocking like that's that's amazing just to say that you're still playing after all this time but yeah that song is uh i've always loved that song i've always loved instrumentals that just like really get your toe tapping and just has that kind of beat to it that you know, oh, it's super so, enjoyable. It's so good. Oh, average white band is so badass. So good. Just so the the rhythmic aspect of them, the the the, the blues, the jazz, the everything. Ah, oh, I love I love average. White right, band. right. Yeah, just listening to it, like the saxophone, like all that. Like it just all They're blends so together. They're so fucking fun. Oh yeah, yeah. They're so good. 
So, They're so good. And they don't take themselves too seriously. The um That's kind of like the best part. The guitar like, player, he passed, I believe. Right? He passed away? I believe so, yeah. Um, and I think he was like the founder of the band he might have been yeah and they're, I think he they're like been. still carrying the torch i saw uh, i saw him on without uh, him years ago he was on uh if you got if our the listeners here you if you never watched it on youtube daryl hall from hall notes does uh daryl's house who you're used to and he'd get a bunch of musicians from like CeeLo green a fucking train of uh, johnny resnick Fuck from train. was on it um oh yeah, phil hates train but <laughs> And he'll get together and play their hits and like do covers and shit. And he had uh average white band on. He had the guitar player uh, from that. And it was just, oh, it was fucking fantastic. Definitely watch it. It's hours and hours of a YouTube hole that you can waste your time on. Absolutely recommend it. It is so much fun. Yeah, that YouTube is great to listen to. There also, one, one last thing um, that I do have. Hold up, my stuff just got cleared here jared's using uh, his phone and it timed out yeah i'm using yeah it did is that all right i guess yeah. it's not you just gotta learn how to use technology guy all right so anyway uh <laughs> they uh they're also one of the most sampled uh artists of all time really and a lot of the bands that use them were the beastie boys public enemy tlc the beat nuts too short ice cube uh rakim nas a tribe called quest that's christina million like so many different bands have just sampled them over the years that they've made like the top 15 sample that's amazing yeah it is amazing and, and i feel like that just like speaks to how good of musicians they are absolutely and uh, you know like you don't you don't get to that point where people are like, oh, I'm going to borrow this. Like, you don't get to that point unless you're, like, doing something right. You're, or you're, like, you know, just jamming out the way you're supposed to be. Absolutely. 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 Uh, Fucking phenomenal band. Word. Well, Mike, what do you got on deck next? Well, you know what? There's no introduction. There's, there's nothing I have for this. I'm just going to let it speak for itself. I'm blue, I'm a deed, I'm a diet, 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 I'm a deed, I'm a diet. Well, you heard it, you know it. My next song is Blue Dabba D by Eiffel 65. Why wouldn't it be? I hate uh, this song. Such a great <laughs> fucking jam from when I was eight years old. You know what the only thing I can think of is, uh, what the fuck was that at Darien Lake? When you'd see the laser light show at the end of the night. And that Absolutely. was like one of the main things that they would do the laser lights to. I just remember being like a little kid and going to like the skating rink because all little kids did that. So I had like my skates on and like, you know, they got like NSYNC, Backstreet Boys, Britney Spears, <clears throat> Christina Aguilera on. You know, you're hearing all that and then those one-hit wonders from like the pop one-hit wonders from the 90s. And then like fucking Blue would come on and it was like, we're getting fucking turned up we're raging. I remember the one time I slipped, I smashed my face on the floor, there's blood everywhere, and all I could do was get up and through the tears just go dabba dee, dabba die. and I felt fan fucking tastic. So 
With that being said, Eiffel 65 is a band from Italy. Italy? Wait. Italy. <laughs> what? Yes. They so have, like they native, reference... native Italian speakers? Is this what we what we got going on here? So they reference the Eiffel Tower. Of and course. they're from Italy. Um, so th- they have three band members. French Italians. Uh, Fratalians, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, they have three band members. Uh, Jeffrey J. I'm going to screw up these Italian names, so I apologize in advance. Marizo Labina. Massimo Gabuti. Um, two of those Gabuti? are Gabuti, um, are native Italians from Sicily, um, I believe. And Jeffrey J was born in Brooklyn and moved to Sicily uh, when he on. was when he was younger. So um, he's in a his, Brooklyn like, teens or maybe early twenties. And the studio, uh, he submitted a, a demo track, uh, Jeffrey J. From Brooklyn. He submitted a demo track, and the producer of Eiffel 65 um, basically was wowed that he had a perfect American accent. And he's like, wow, this is perfect. How did you do that? And he's like, well, I'm from Brooklyn. And he was like, oh. <laughs> how did you do that? Amazing. <laughs> so. Um, Who knew? So. Blue was first released on October 7th in 1998 um, by Bliss Corporation, which is the producer that put them all together. Um, fun fact about the song. It's terrible. It tanked. <laughs> it tanked. Did it really? It tanked. So how is this a one-hit wonder? Hard. It tanked hard in 98. Um, it came back. They were, they, they, it was actually mm. said that um, once the song was kind of produced... Uh, the the one uh, DJ, um, I, I believe it was Marzio, uh, or it might have been uh, Massimo. They were DJs separately. So these were three musicians that recorded at this uh, Bliss Corporation studio, right? And they didn't have soundproofing there. So basically, one of the members came up with that piano part, that do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. That's all he had. Another guy in a studio heard him playing that, loved it, started putting a beat behind it. When Jeffrey came in, it was the producer's idea to put all three of them together to create Blue. Um, but fun fact, so one of them, one of the DJs took it to a club after the song was produced, and it drove people off the dance floor. Um, <laughs> it basically, it, it, in an interview... This um, proves how stupid Americans are. In an interview... Um, we ate that shit up. Yeah. There's a vice. There's a vice interview. Um, it's a 25 minute thing on YouTube of the story of Blues Eiffel 65. I highly recommend it. You learn a lot about it, and I don't know. It's one of those niche things that you just want to watch because you want to know how the fuck this happened to begin with. Um, he said when he played it, drove people off the dance floor as if the bar was serving free beer, and he was like, "What the fuck." Wow. I, I don't I, I don't know. So they basically forgot about the song at that point and didn't even do anything with it. Um, so it was, um, as I said, it was inspired and, comp- and composed by uh, Labina's, Marzuo Labina's uh, opening piano hook. Um, the producers came together um, and got the three of them together once they heard each other in those paper-thin wall studios. Um Jeffrey J explained that his inspiration for the lyrics 
Inspiration. Uh, the inspiration for the lyrics Hell of Blue yeah. was how a person chooses his or her lifestyle. The color blue as the main theme of the song was picked at random with Labina. No shit. With Labina telling him to write nonsensical lyrics. So if he was green, he would die. It, it, that's actually mentioned in the Vice documentary. And when somebody brought it up to him, I guess he says, well, somebody brought me, brought up to me. Uh, that's uh, Jeffrey J talking. He's like, when, when somebody brought up to me, if I was green, I would die. I was like, well, that doesn't make any sense. And I was like, when I was watching, I was like, what the fuck did this make any sense? Your whole goddamn song doesn't make any sense. But me, the eight-year-old asshole who's bleeding on the fucking dance floor, I loved it. Um, you did? I, did? I absolutely did. I still love that song. Eh, fuck. It's fun. So... So you have three, you have three <laughs> elements here coming together to make this song. You have the piano hook from uh, Labina. You have the nonsensical blue lyrics from Jeffrey J. And um, Massimo Gabuti came up with the Daba D hook. They wanted something that was universal around the world that anybody could just sing. So they came up with. Dabba dee, dabba die. Then they pitch. I, I remember that there was a whole, there was a big controversy back in the day as to what he was actually saying. It was oh like, yeah, everyone thought yeah, everyone yeah. thought it was something different, and it's just dabba dee, dabba die because the song is fucking stupid. Phil, I feel like you feel there a certain way that. about this. I really don't like this song. That's fair. Mm. Um, so combining the piano riff, the beats made by Kabuti, and the lyrics made by. Jeffrey J, what what gives Lyrics. this song, <laughs> what gives this song its signature sound is the, signature. All right, I'm I'm sorry. Continue. What gives this song the signature sound is the pitch shifted vocal effect used in the song that was created by a harmonizer. Um, that was inspired heavily by Take a Guess. Um. Uh. What year? Well, it was ninety eight. Uh, I'm gonna say wait. He so what inspired him to use that on his vocals? Yep. Uh, T Pain. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> what's his fucking name? The the guitar player with the fucking tube. No, it was Cher's Believe. Oh, they were what? inspired by Cher's. Are you kidding me? That's, no, that's that makes me hate. All this right, song. Yes. that's even worse. <laughs> so hearing hearing Cher's Believe, they were inspired to get. They wanted. So badly to get that same vocal effect. Well, there's that the first time anyone's ever said that. They wanted so badly to get Cher's <laughs> vocal effect that they used a harmonizer when in reality they didn't know that autotune was a thing that was used to create Cher's belief. This gets even better. Um, so they're stupid. So when the, um, when the song finally released, um, it took off like no tomorrow. Across the world, um, they they reached number one all over the world and especially Europe. They topped out in the United States at number six. Dang. They replaced Mambo number five for the oh, top come on, song. Lubega. For the top spot, Lou was knocked off his pedestal. How are you gonna beat out Lou? He was beat out. Uh, by Eiffel 65's Blue in Germany, Switzerland, Norway, Sweden, a bunch of other countries. 
Um, for So Lou was beat out for Eiffel 65's Blue. And in the UK, it spent three weeks at the top of the chart and became the second biggest single sold in 99 behind Baby One More Time by Britney Spears. Well, That's how massive this song was. But the reviews... Disgusting. The reviews were, it, there's never any gray area with them. Billboard uh, said at the time of the song's release that the hook here with its dancey but curiously compelling sing-songy rhythm and lyric is destined to react instantly with listeners far and wide. While Rolling Stone said the song blends Cher-esque vocoder vocals, trance-like synth riffs, unbashed Eurodisc beats, and a baby babble chorus so infantile it makes the Teletubbies sound like Shakespeare. That guy's my favorite reviewer. <laughs> so the magazine also placed the song, uh, Rolling Stone also placed their, this song on their list of the 20 most annoying songs at number 14. Fair enough. Yeah, Wait, what are, what are the top ones on that list? I didn't look into that, but I I don't I don't want to know. That'd be interesting. I, I really don't want to know. That could be a that could be a whole episode <laughs> itself. The it top, could be yeah. the top twenty most annoying fucking songs that I've ever. I, I, yeah. I, I bet you a fucking uh, a fucking uh, what would be up there? God, I'm trying to think of a song that would even be up there. Cotton Eye Joe. Cotton Eye Joe would be Whoa, up there. Cotton Eye Joe would be up, be up there. I would rather listen to Cotton Eye Joe than this piece of shit. That's did up, did up, did I do? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I really don't like I, uh, Eiffel sixty five. So um, or what's the name of Blue? Blue. Yeah. What's the fuck? I, I don't. I thought the band was. Blue. I don't know. I, that's how much I care. No, about it's Eiffel sixty five. Eiffel sixty five. It's Eiffel 60. Oh, well, I know what I'm getting you for Christmas, guy. Clearly, from Italy. I'm painting your entire fucking life blue. From Italy. From Italia. Um, so, you guys remember the music video, right? Unfortunately. Um, it was a bunch of... For those who don't know, um, it's a bunch of CGI aliens that are, in fact, blue. Um, that just kind of... They fight... I think uh, I guess. they battle and then play a concert for. I don't know. I it's it it's kind of lost on me. They just fight these fucking blue aliens and then they sing for them. But sounds like a lot of half-assedness was put into this. Oh, it definitely was. <laughs> but um, the At band all stages the band has been quoted by saying the inspiration for the music video is uh, our sci-fi movies like Independence Bl- Day, Blade Runner, and <laughs> Star Wars. What? So Come again? That's fucking lost on me. I, I don't see bla- glimpses of Blade Runner or Star Wars in that fucking music video. I hate them. Whatever. But I bet you, Phil, especially you, Phil, I know Jared's curious, but there's a burning, of course. aching desire to know what this band is doing now. And I'll tell you, Phil. Absolutely nothing. In 2005, um, DJ Gabri Ponte, um, which was one of their live DJs, left the group Sick. to focus on his solo career post-Blue. I'm glad he did because it was so much better after he left. Absolutely. <laughs> Jared, the avid fucking Eiffel 65. <laughs> avid he's like, 65 he's like, when Gary there. left, I just knew he could do so much you better. Know, he could do so much better. And his, his shit... 
glorious. When he wrote mauve, I felt that shit. Yeah, mauve. Purple. Mauve. It's almost purple, it's but almost it's purple, not. But it's not. Um, so the remaining members after Gary Ponte left, um, <laughs> Jeffrey J, Maruzel Davina, uh, formed their own duo band called Blumo Six. Oh my God, I fucking hate oh these Christ, guys. the ingenuity. Um, didn't really do much with that. They just played, you know, kind of. Just they just having, played blue eight hundred times. Having the name in Europe. Um, in 2010, the original group reunited. Although Ponte, unfortunately for you, Jared, I know how big of a fan you are. He does not participate in the record production and concerts anymore. He never officially left the group, though, he says. Bummed so even though he doesn't do shit, out. even though he doesn't do shit, he doesn't record with them, he doesn't play with them, he still has never officially left the group. Well, you got to be known, you know, with them. One more final tidbit about this song for you guys. Did you know? I did. That there are three different versions of this song? As if, uh, you know... <sighs> We didn't have enough blue. What now? The first was called <laughs> Blue. Okay. Dub version. Then. So was that the Italian speaking version? No. No, it was it was dub style. It was dub style. Dub style. Then. Are, are you talking dubstep blue? No, blue? no. Dub. Blue dubstep? No, no, no. no. Dub is like, a, it's a kind of. Blue almost like Almost reggae, almost. It, it, mm, this is kind of like a downbeat drum yeah. and bass type of uh, All right. type All right. of Sub- Sublime was almost a little bit dub style. Okay, gotcha. Um, Not quite they, ska. Yeah. They had a second version called Blue, the Glamour Cut. Oh, God, that just sounds terrible. Which really started bringing some of the elements of the song as we know it until they finally... Captured lightning in a fucking bottle. Nailed it. And they released the final version that everyone knows, simply known as Blue Davidi. And that's what we know it as today. Beautiful. I hate that song. Uh, As you should. You never should have told me that, Phil. (laughs) Never should have told me that. (laughs) You fucking wake up. At fucking eight o'clock in the morning, seven o'clock in the morning, whenever the fuck I, I wake up, and you're gonna hear blue bumping in this house. I already hear you playing Rock Lobster, and that's the less superior B52 song. Listen, I'm not gonna sit here and uh, argue Love song, Shack though. versus Rock Lobster. With Love you. Shack. Love Shack's a great song. Love Shack's I love that better. song. You know, it's fine. I just think that Rock Lobster was a unique take on surf style music for the time period, which was 1979. It's also annoying as shit says you phil what's your final song sir my final song is uh, i'm not gonna call it a good song it's not a good song it's a song i don't like it's a song i think that a lot of people liked when they were 12 and then when they got older they kind of realized that it's kind of not really a good song mm. uh the guitar riff for the song uh has actually been called uh and I quote, the fourth worst guitar riff of all time. Oh, cool. Ooh. Uh, this song. Interest peaked. This song is Headstrong by Trapped. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Back off, I'll take you on. Headstrong to take on anyone. I know that 
and that, that that was headstrong. Um, it's not a good song. I I'm gonna totally agree with Phil. Yeah, here. concur. And uh, really, the only reason I'm talking about the song is because uh, the lead singer Chris Taylor Brown and I we have a bit of a a, a history. Yeah, you got you, there's <laughs> there's stuff there. We'll get into that in just a minute, but I, I will say some good things about the song first. Wait, will you? Uh, yes, because it does need to be said that it did reach number one on the U.S. Billboard Mainstream Rock and Modern Rock, rock Tracks and number 16 on the Billboard Hot 100. It crossed on to Mainstream Pop Radio, peaking at number four on the t- Billboard Top 40. It was also won two Billboard Music Awards in 2003 for Best Modern Rock Track and Best Rock Track. Well, that's what being headstrong gets you. And... As you will see, it will come up later. Uh, Chris Taylor Brown did correctly state that "Headstrong" was rated as the number one alternative song and number one rocks, number eight rock song of the two thousands by Billboard. Uh, but then, once again, in two, 2018, in a, an official poll by Ultimate Guitar, the site's users rated "Headstrong." This is twenty eighteen. This is before all the drama came out. Uh, they rated Headstrong as having the fourth worst guitar riff of all time. That's fair. <laughs> Which, to me, is... Very fair. It, it is It is hilarious. I do an acoustic rendition of this song that will bring tears to your eyes. Now, Chris Taylor Brown, um, he is known now because he has started shit on Twitter. <laughs> He so wait is that what I'm missing by not being on Twitter? Basically, oh yeah, okay. dude. That's why we keep telling you get on, dude. Uh, I've I've started beef with Trapped and Smash Mouth. Oh my god, I I need to see the beef. Uh, so where's the beef? In in mid 2019, uh, Chris Taylor Brown decided to take over Trapped's Twitter account and basically just tweet out. A bunch of propaganda for Donald Trump, and I had I, I saw a bunch of it, and I finally decided to respond to it just to see what would happen, and it opened up a whole can of worms. So it, it really did. We're going <laughs> we're going back here to I think July, and it might be June, but this whole year has been a blur. But basically, Trap tweeted about how Bernie bans saying that we need to bend over for governors and social distance ourselves, blah, blah, blah. And all I said was, haven't Trapped been socially distancing themselves at shows for years? One of the best zingers <laughs> I've ever fucking seen on Twitter. It's great. I don't give Phil credit for anything. For this, five gold stars. And it will become a running theme, uh, but we'll we'll call him CTB. CTB's only response was uh, that I'm fat. Uh, He said that I need to get in the gym because people like me are the reason we can't have universal health insurance, which is just demonstrably false. But it just shows you that that's all they have. And I said, okay, I'll get in the gym after you take vocal lessons. Oof. Oof. Uh, and he didn't like that. He said his voice is great, which if you've ever heard it, <laughs> an acoustic version of of Headstrong oh, or so or good. any of his, of his other songs, um, they're not good. 
Once again, I do a great rendition of Headstrong Acoustically. <laughs> Better than his. And it's not good. And we'll get to an acoustic video of his that I shared with him uh, later on. Uh, I told him that he wasn't hasn't been relevant since 2002. It's uh, fair enough, though. That's fair. I mean... I don't remember the last time I've listened to. I know. I, as soon as I saw, as soon as I saw him on Twitter, Phil instantly messaged me, and he's like, "Look at this ass clown!" And I started reading this shit. And I I instantly jumped in. He called me a. He's like, "Oh, you're the typical bearded glasses Bernie bro," and I was like, "Am I supposed to be insulted by this? Because I don't know what that means." And then it just took off like a fucking out of control train here. Yeah. Uh, he, he, after I said he was, uh, hasn't been relevant since 2002, uh, he said the only people who say relevant are desperate to fit in, which I don't know what that means, but what? Well, when uh, you're in a band, you're desperate to, to have hit songs and fit in. He says that he brings big crowds to Buffalo and his last show in Buffalo had less than 200 people at it. When was he in Buffalo? Uh, 2002, exactly, Jared. If it was 2002. If it was less than 200 people, that's exactly why I say He, al- he also said, your Buffalo. station played the fuck out of a lot of our music, which we never spun a single one of his tracks on Alternative Buffalo. Sick. My boss got involved with it, too, and showed Did him. Did he really? Yeah, because he called my <laughs> boss up. Uh, he's like, yo, no, we played out of your, out of your station all the time, right? I told, like, him, I told him that we don't play his music on our station because we actually want people listening to it. Nice. Oof. Nice. Uh, <laughs> his response, we draw more people to shows than a lot of the bands that you play. Uh, now, Alt Buffalo had a thing called, a little thing called Kerfuffle every year. It was really Canal small. Side. Yeah. Thousands was, of people. Yeah, you know, up. just 10,000 people every year. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't think Trapped has attracted 10,000 people in, in Buffalo. I don't but think they've ever attracted anywhere. I'm a, I'm, a ba- I'm a bandwagon jumping follower so desperate to fit in. Plenty of great alternative stations still play Trapped. And I said, alternative or rock? Because cock rock is still played on rock stations. You're too generic to be alternative. <laughs> and then he, Fair he, enough. Then he called me Pillsbury. And then he bragged about how many spins he's got for Headstrong. Uh, and then there are good alternative stations who play Trapped. And then I said, you got anything other than I'm fat? Because it's super clever. And then uh, my boss jumped in and said, I think we're doing okay without you. And just posted pictures of crowds at the kerfuffle shows. Which... It's so good. <laughs> oh, it's That's bringing hilarious. up so many memories right now. That's actually uh, And then he also, he also brought in facts. Uh, he said, sidebar, uh, this is Nick Rivers, by the way. Many of you may know Nick Rivers. He said, sidebar, seeing as you brought them up so far in 2020, Trapped. Two songs played for a total of 1,084 spins on alternative radio. Now, Trapped was talking shit about the Lumineers, saying how they have way more spins than the Lumineers and shit. Are you kidding me? On alternative radio, the Lumineers had 16 different songs played in 2020 with over 44,000 spins. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, because people know the Lumineers. Yep. Who doesn't know? (laughs) That's an actual band. Oh, hey. Great fucking song. So after we after we kept going back and forth for a while, uh, he did my, probably my favorite thing that he did during our whole conversation, which was uh, he had burner accounts. 
Oh, he did. Yeah. That would use the same insults that he did. Oh God, it was so good. So he would be, he would the he would hop onto a burner account, jump into the thread, call me fat, and then hop back onto the trapped account. And a bunch of people were catching on, and I I was I could see. I said, another fat joke. Got anything else, Chris? Kind of getting old. And and he would respond with the trapped account. It's not me, man. Yep. (laughs) It's not me, man. And then obviously no one was just fucking sad. This is my favorite thing uh, because he responded with the burner account after he said it's not me, man, with why do these losers insist that I'm you? Once again, Chris is a nice enough guy to give you pathetic nobodies the attention your parents never did. I wouldn't waste my time with you, scum, but I love seeing Chris destroy you. But you're not Chris. Oh, my God. And then he responds to that saying, I'm pretty sure you're a parody account. Back off, man. So he has literally all the time in the world on his hands. Yes. Because he's not writing music, so... Well, he's writing right. music, but nobody listens to it well, because exactly. he spends well, but minimal I mean, you have of time. time to do this when you're writing shit music that nobody cares yeah. about. Uh, he he came back with another fat joke and said, "My parents never paid enough attention to me, so I ate the pain away." After I after I told after I said, "Chris, listen to Chris," to the burner account, <laughs> <laughs> if, uh, I said that his fat jokes are getting as stale as his one song. Hey, yeah, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. I'm gonna have to come. I'm gonna have to come to the defense here. They had two songs. They I don't know if two, you remember. Wait, what? Echo, 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 echo. Had, that was that was a song. They technically had two hits. They had yeah, that, two well, songs? Echo sucked, and I don't know how they could write a song that sucked more than the first one. Uh, so a running theme with with CTB and yeah, they did. Echo, that's blowing my mind. Uh, a running theme with CTB on Twitter was he would threaten people to fight, and then he would never fight them. Oh, sick! Uh, like meet me outside at noon. <laughs> and so one of my it's one of my favorite out. tweets that I sent him was after he said, "You can come meet me, bud." Was uh, I guess he won't take on anyone, so that was a lie. <laughs> that was good. That was good. Oh, like well, he, he was like trying to get people to fucking drive to Cincinnati to fight him. It's like, dude, I'm not dude, going. I'm just, listen, I'm going to stand outside of my house. I you drive to work me. and I go home. I'm not driving to Cincinnati to face Mr. Headstrong. Punch you in the face. Uh, he told me that he will come to Buffalo and he will get fans telling me how much I suck or and my station sucks on video for me. And I responded all three of them. Oh, wow. And then he said, shut the fuck up, you depressed piece of shit. Fuck you and your station. You're making a big mistake coming after me. See me, see you in Buffalo. And I said, you're beyond irrelevant. Explain how I'm making a mistake. <laughs> yeah, this turned into a whole thing. Oh, wow. it did. It went on for about three days. Yeah, this Dang. kept going, man. Jesus. Uh, he said he will have 1,000 people at his next Buffalo show. And he will get them to chant about how much they hate my elitist liberal station. And I said, wow, a thousand people? You got us there, man. <laughs> and then, and then it, once again, he goes back to the fat jokes. You eat like crackhead, smoke crack. You're an addict. You're the reason we can't have universal health care. Blah, blah, blah. Literally going back to his old well. And then I said, thank you for clarifying that for me. I had no idea that I was living a lie. <laughs> It sounds like he was trying to help you at some point. Yeah, a little yeah. bit. Just trying to give you a hand. Um, he said, 
Uh, Danny Boy's no fan of having attendants as come to wet northern New York. Why don't you tell us all who you are? I'm going to block you unless you do. And basically, did he have a stroke during that last tweet? Jesus Christ. he did. Don't do a thing, Danny Boy. He thought Buffalo was in northern New York, basically. Oh. Yeah, and Buffalo's in western New York. He's a moron. The Buffalonians rise up because we all know that we're Come Western. On. We're if not, you're living in Cincinnati, you fucking we're not upstate. This. Like that's we're not upstate. So fuck CTB, man. Fuck trap. Like almost brothers there. Like we're closer to Cincinnati than New York City. He uh, <laughs> he he wanted our us to have a a battle with him. Basically, the best song of 2020. Going up against Headstrong, which he says is the best song from twenty to 20, 2000 to 2010. And I said, uh, just because you had a single hit doesn't make you the best. I did say his mom must be proud, though. Because, hey, that was nice of you, because I'll bet she was. You know? I told him I talked to Nick Rivers, but I have a feeling he'll think it's a waste of time, just like the 45 minutes that was your last album. <laughs> wow. I listened to that most recent album, too, that he was bragging about how it's going to top the charts. Go put Trapped on the map. I listened. I got like four songs in. I was surprised I got that far, and I was like, what the fuck is this? Hmm. Uh, he then called, once again, calling the station out, saying we couldn't even do a low-dose show and get more people out. And then I corrected him, saying that we had shows that were a dollar and seven cents called You Saw Them First Shows, and they sold out every single time we had one. So, yes, we did. Uh, he said, you did a dollar and seven show with your best new band, and we'll do a show the same night. You're PD down. I said, you want to be embarrassed that bad? Uh, he he so desperately wanted to show up Alt Buffalo because he thought it was an, an elitist liberal station. Hmm. Good for him. It's good, it's good to have goals when you're irrelevant. I guess. Um, I, 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 do you remember when uh, Tiger King was the thing? Yes. Yeah. I mean... Uh, do you do you remember Someone. do you remember the wedding scene between the three of them and they're in those yes. pink shirts? <laughs> yeah. If you need a reminder, <laughs> uh, I tweeted out I tweeted out a picture of that and saying I'm telling my kids that this was trapped. <laughs> That's so good. That's so good. It's beautiful. Oh yeah, and then he kept going back to his Pandora spins. Oh yeah. yeah. He kept bragging about how many plays he has on on Pandora and shit like that. How many could you possibly have? On he had Andor? seven. Seventeen. Seven. Seven. Mm, it might as well have been. <laughs> uh, and then he bragged about how many people follow them on Facebook because you know Facebook is super relevant. Yes. In in twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and Facebook isn't a dying audience. And then and then I sent him a video. This is another one of the best things that happened. I found a video of him singing Headstrong acoustically, and it's terrible. It's really mm. bad. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. basically, I sent him the video, and it was like, this is like this is really bad. And he tweeted back saying he couldn't watch it. And so then I tweeted him a picture of me pausing the video halfway through. He was like, oh, that's funny. You can't even watch that in the States, blah, blah, blah. So I sent him a video, a picture of me like pausing the video halfway through. Just like, oh, uh, yeah, you can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think all week we just kept watching nice. that and just. And then laughing. somebody tweeted, "Trapped is straight trash. You make music for guys on their third domestic violence charge." And his response <laughs> was, "Hey, we're just trying to pump people up in whatever they do." Wow, 
just sounds like a barn on fire. That's and a they're hard... like throwing gas on it wow. instead of water. Yep. Uh and then he DM'd me. Really? Oh, oh yeah, we got we got some DMs. Uh he wanted to fight me. He's he's he DM'd me, he said, Do you want me to slap your fat face? Is that what you're angling for? <laughs> Just just going to keep talking. I'm sure I can accommodate you if you want to sanction something. And then I said, it seems like you back out a lot, bro. And then he goes, I would fuck you up anytime. Would be fun to slap that Pillberry dope boy face of yours. And I said, that kind of seems like you're kink and I don't want to kink shame you. <laughs> and, then he, and then he blocked me after that. <laughs> Woo! Gotta love that trap story. Uh, oh man, fuck trap. Oh, we is. do we do have we do have a conclusion. Where yeah, where are they now? What is trap doing yeah, so now? Doing I'm now? beyond interested are now. Are they doing anything? Uh if you did you other hear, than what you know Did you hear about the Sturgis motorcycle rally? <gasps> With Smith in like Mouth. North or South Dakota or something no. like that? Yeah. Somebody once told me that the, the, the motorcycles <laughs> would roll me. So it was a huge break huge covid breakout happened and okay. they played a show uh that really nobody uh went to sweet and that's cool like not attended well well there was there's hundreds of thousands of people at this rally okay and they're mostly trump supporters okay and these guys that have basically bowed down to trump on twitter had nobody at this rally was there to see them they played in front of basically nobody and now they're holding a show uh, that only the Proud Boys will be able to go to. If you oh, if you sweet. remember those guys, yeah. Uh, and over the summer, uh, something that got me blocked from also their Facebook page and their Instagram account. So I really have no contact with Trapped anymore, which is very sad. Aww. But I congratulated them because their latest album, Shadow Work, uh, in its first week sold six hundred copies. <laughs> yep. So they're nailing it. It was so bad. Oh, man. Yeah, and 500 of those were bought by his mom. So That's fair. Hey, uh, Chris Taylor Brown, if uh, you're listening, just unblocked Phil. Yeah, just we, we would love to have you on the show. We would lo- yeah, we would love yeah, to talk right? about your fun. life and your views on the world. Yeah, and just how much of a fucking tool you are and how terrible your band is, how shitty your one song is, and how you're clinging to that one song as that little bit of fame that you so desperately want, but you're not even talented. So you really, you don't even have that one song, but you kind of, you just still hold on to it. And Chris Taylor Brown, just stop. And if, if you if you like Wait. that song, just, you know, that's good. If you like that you, song, then good for you. don't talk to me. That's, you don't have to talk to Phil. You can still talk to Jared and I, just... Know that there's, you know, a little bit of maybe judgment when, behind the eyes going on, but that's that's okay. I'll still respect you. Maybe, sort of, yeah. When you know, when you write a song saying about how you'll take on anyone, and then when when you have nothing other than fat jokes on Twitter, you block them. It's really kind of a lie, and it's kind of upsetting because I really wanted to take you on, and you weren't really that headstrong. So what the fuck are you writing about? Well, now, Phil, you know exactly how I feel. Got to bring it up again about Zach Baggins. Oh, no. Zach Baggins and uh, Chris Taylor Brown would be a dynamic duo. That would be awesome. It, it, it yeah, should really work be. together soon. 
Wait, they're gonna put out an acoustic they, album. Yeah, it, yeah. It's 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 Chris playing guitar if he even does. I don't even know. And then Zach just screaming at ghosts. Yep. So. We'll take you on. We'll take on anyone. Here. But that is uh that is that is my story about trapped. It's real. I really didn't want to talk about where they're what they're doing about the song or whatever. Because fuck trapped and fuck Chris Taylor Brown. Uh. And if you want to know more about them, I got the screenshots. So I, I, I got a whole bunch of info on the Great Trapped War of 2020. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Front Porch Podcast, talking about one-hit wonders. Uh, not sure what we will do next episode. We will eventually talk about more one-hit wonders. Oh, if yeah. you guys yeah. have any one-hit wonders that you would like us to cover and see what the hell they're up to now, please send them our way. Word. And as always, you can follow us on Twitter, Front Porch Podcast on Instagram, at Front Porch 716 on Twitter. And you can find me on Twitter and, and Instagram, at Buffalo Kennedy. You can find me on both Instagram and Twitter, at Mr. Mike here, M-I-S-T-E-R. And you can find me at uh, Instagram, at uh, Umbrella Media BFLO. And we will talk to you guys next time. Maybe. Peace. Hey everyone, Mike here. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Front Porch Podcast. We had a ton of fun covering these one-hit wonders and letting you know what they're up to now. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Front Porch 716 and on Instagram at Front Porch Podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Thank <laughs> you.